All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 31 of Mind Over Matter. This episode we had Juan on. He was a part of the Marines, ex-Marine, got out, lives in Chicago now, and that's where I'm from. Ended up meeting um, Brandon Nelson, sent me a TikTok made by him about veterans re-entering society. Not necessarily a re-enter. We're, <laughs> we're getting into society, society for the first time. So once I saw his TikTok, it, it resonated with me. I sent him a message on there, and sure enough, we got him on the podcast, and it was great. So, Kev, what you got, man? Yeah, one thing that always surprises me when we talk to people that weren't in the Army is how similar our stories are. Like, we were in the Army, he was in the Marine Corps, but when you get out, you're really just a veteran. And we kind of talked a little bit about the Marine Corps and the Army and our differences and a lot of the Afghanistan stuff. So just kind of get into the veteran mindset and then what we really face when we get out. So it's a really interesting show. I had a great time. And let's get into it. Yeah, I love what JP stands for. So just real quick, check his link below. Check out his TikTok, his Facebook group. He's really trying to help veterans just like us. Again, thank you for coming on, JP, and I hope you all enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mind Over Matter. We're on episode 31. Feeling good, feeling great. Got a nice guest on here today, but first off, Kev, how we feeling, man? I'm feeling good, dude. <laughs> feeling really good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We just got done with that um that career fair yesterday or Tuesday, Monday, whatever it was. <laughs> a few days ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For y'all who don't know, we're uh, trying to help our hardest or trying to do our best at helping teenagers in high school realize you could go into the entrepreneurial world a lot sooner then I realized it a lot sooner than Kevin realized it. So it's a bit tough, but we learned some lessons so far. So we went over to a YMCA, to a career fair, and that was a blast. We just kind of got out there and got to see today's youth. But today we got on Juan, JP. Very excited. A buddy sent me over a TikTok of his, and <clears throat> it changed my view on my own <laughs> situation real quick. And basically what the TikTok was saying was, look, we're, if you're a veteran, you're not re-entering society. You're entering for the first time again. You never, like, personally, I didn't go into society because during high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then after high school, I was like, you know what? Easy out. Let me go to the military. <laughs> <laughs> Army seems fun. Yeah. So I ended up joining the military. Yeah. Did great. Had fun yeah. times. But yeah, once you get out, that's like the hardest part, and that's how me and me and Kevin actually started the podcast. Is uh, just had not much to do, didn't know where to go, our minds were racing, and just started the podcast to get some thoughts out there. So, JP, how are you? How you doing? Tell people who you are a little bit. Doing great, man. Best day ever. First of all, um, I'm JP. Thank you guys for having me here. I really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome to bring together veterans. And then when you find a way to give them a voice, well, you know, they're very dangerous in a good way. So very happy to be here. A little bit about me. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. At the age of 18, not knowing what the hell I was going to do with my life, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. The Army tried taking me, but, you know, the Marine Corps, I don't know, it was the uniform. I went out Yo. there. I was going to fight some dragons, you know, slay some dragons. <laughs> Like in the recruiting commercials, the guy's yeah, calling yeah. up that giant rock with the yes, <laughs> yeah, you know. So I went off. I did um, I did uh, two tours, a uh, couple tours to Afghanistan, and then I did a, a Mew, which is a 
basically you're on a Navy ship just riding around, you know, different oceans. Uh, did the 0311 thing, which is infantry. And then after that, I was a scout sniper for the end of my deployment, my, my uh, time in the service. Got out, came home, realized that I was freaking lost, man. I, um, I thought I knew what the hell I was doing because, I mean, I led a freaking sniper team in, you know, in country. And then I came home and, and like, college kids have a foot up on me because they know what the hell they're doing. They know about classes. Their parents have been there for them. They've had, you know, counselors that they can talk to. And I realized I was lost. I realized I was lost. And that's when I kind of came to the fruition of, like, I'm not coming into a world that I even know. Like, this is foreign to me. I'm leaving a world that I know. Like, the, the Marine Corps for me, that was my formative years. Like, I, I, that's what I trace everything back to. Like, when I was young, a lot of that went away with the Marine Corps because of the way that, you know, the Marine Corps kind of changes your mind a little bit about some stuff. And when I got out, I came home and I realized, like, shit, I don't feel at home any, anymore. Like, this is not the world that I know. And that's kind of, like, where that came from as far as, like, in my mind, we don't come back into society. We're thrown into a society that we know nothing of. And sometimes it's honestly in the matter of a weekend. Like, you get out. They have this little transition class that doesn't really do much because at the end of the day, you're still on base. You're still around Marines or soldiers. You know, you're not integrated into society. And then just like that, adios, all your boys, your best friends, you know, the girls that maybe you used to know that were near base that you hung out with, your leadership that, yeah, your leadership yeah. that looked out for you, or maybe they didn't. The junior Marines that looked up to you or the junior junior soldiers or whoever that looked up to you. So you felt like you had a sense of service and like purpose. All of that is just gone like that. You know? How long did you do in the Marine Corps? So I did six years in the Marine Corps. I was supposed to do seven. I had a contract for seven years, but I did the early out uh, program that they had back in 2013. What made you get out though? Was it like just your contract up? Man, no, man, if I could go back... Um, <laughs> it's always it's always it's always a girl right it's always a woman yeah. you know i was i was dating this girl from chicago at the time and uh you know young dumb and in love i uh volunteered to do another deployment and it was going to be a year-long deployment uh i think there was a unit in afghanistan that needed uh scout snipers and uh back when they had scout snipers apparently they're getting rid of them now of course but they are the, uh yeah, they're getting rid of scout snipers now, apparently. Um, they, they don't need them for the next wars, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, um, they asked it for volunteers for a year-long deployment, and I threw my name in the hat, but, you know, I told her about it, and she's like, well, if you're doing that, I'm done. And, you know, my young dummies, you know, got out when I wish I would have stayed in. I'm taking it. It didn't work out with her. No, man. <laughs> that's a whole... That's a whole nother video series of like why you don't marry the first thing when you get out. Like it's just because you, you find love and all of a sudden like, oh, someone loves me. And yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah you, you get out the barracks and shit too, especially. Yeah. yeah. That was that was wow. my big thing, man. I got out first first woman I met. So we'll cross our fingers that it's not that way. But I was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was uh, married in the army. I got married nineteen. And then I got divorced because she went over, or while I was overseas, she was doing her thing. And mm, then when I got, Jody. yeah, Yo, when I got a literal out, cadence <laughs> about her, bro. It's that common. And then yeah. when I got out, uh, it was the first girl I met, like actually showed me like this, 
this is what it means to love somebody. Like, mm. I actually gave a shit, and I'm like, what? The? Like, completely mind blown, because even like, yeah. in the military, it's like a brotherly love. And then mm -hmm. if you find a girl, it's a coin flip, whether or not. <laughs> whether yeah. or not. And then, um, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Just blew up my eyes. Like, whoa. Like, this is, yeah. what, this is what real people outside of military are talking about. <laughs> and then, yeah. then I go around and talk about, like, my situation and how I got cheated on everything. In the military, everyone's like, "Yeah, dude, join the club." When I got the first person, <laughs> I, <laughs> the first person I told about it uh, was my older brother. He called me like right away, saying, "Like me and all my boys, like we can't believe you're going through this. Good, good on you for keeping it up." I'm like, dude, yeah. "Dude, if I didn't, everyone at work would call me a pussy, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> like, half of them have done this shit already." So you got a whole platoon of guys that are fucking in the same boat, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, man, how, I want to ask how you, um, what was like the first thing you found that made you feel alive again? Like, um, once you got out. So when I got out, I, um, I came back to Chicago and, uh, I talked about this in one of my videos too, but you know, my parents were expecting me to move back in with them for a little bit, get my bearings right. And me thinking I knew what was best. No, I'm going to move in with this girl that I barely know because, you know, she's loves me. Right. And she made me get out of the for so I get out, I move in with her and, um, you know, she's, she's downtown Chicago and I feel like, you know, I can do anything. I'm just a badass, but I can't find a job. I can't find anything. Nope. I, I, I'm trying to like figure out what I want to even do with my life. In my mind, I'm going to come home. I'm going to become a cop, you know? And by the way, that is what I do now, but I'm, I'm, I'm currently working my way out of that because uh, I've decided that it's just, it's, um, Without being too too detailed about it, I just have found something else in my life that gives me purpose. And I love being a police officer, but at the end of the day, I, I want to just give a little bit more to the world in a different way. But to answer your question, I um I was fortunate enough that before I left um, California, there was a, a Marine recon buddy who told me, hey, link up with this guy. When you get to Chicago, he'll take care of you. And I did. I, I gave him a call. Uh, his name is Dominic Kearns, and he took care of me. I mean, he brought me over to uh, um, a Chicago Police Marine Corps League Union, and right there, and then I, I met my two newest best friends, uh, Joe Franzese and Dan Panzarella, both Marines, and they took me under their wing, and they treated me like I was the new member of their platoon, and they were able to kind of guide me through everything that I was kind of going through in this new world that I had never been a part of, right? So, like, that's when... I finally felt like I kind of found something that made me feel alive and like I finally belong somewhere. And of course it's like belonging, but you're, I'm still with Marines, right? I'm still with other yeah. service members. But that was the first time where I actually felt like I found some people that understood me in the, in the real world. Right. Cause it's gotta be pretty similar. Like, like law enforcement in the military as far as like the camaraderie and all that shit's concerned. Right. Yeah. So like the, the main reason why that's what I wanted to do and why I did that is because I missed the team environment. I missed working in a, an environment that, you know, the adrenaline is always pumping the environment where you never know what's going to happen. And a lot is expected of you. Right. So you want to be that person that, you know, people rely on. You want to be that person that people look to because you want to keep feeling that sense of service, whether we hate it or not, when we're in and, you know, we say that, you know, screw this, screw that. It's to the guy to the left and to the right of you. At the end of the day, like we do get something out of serving, out of being of service to people, even if we don't want to talk about it too much, 
we do get some value out of that. And it gives us, it gives us kind of like a purpose in life, if that makes sense, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that was my biggest struggle was just, I mean, I didn't even know I had to find a new purpose. Mm. <laughs> like I didn't even know that's the stage I was on. I just came home yeah. and my, my parents said, come on home, move in with us. Uh, that was the little Rocky road. Just, I I also grew up in uh, South Suburbs of Chicago in Homewood. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah, well, Homewood. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Homewood. Yeah, guy. yeah. Uh, the ch- I know the chief of police over there. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might be in the playoff, but yeah, yeah. I, I know where Homewood's at. I grew up in in like Cicero. I don't think you know where Cicero is. Just outside the, the city. The road. Like no, well, there's Cicero Road, and then there's there's Cicero right next to Berwyn and Stickney. Okay. You're, yeah. Okay, you're right outside then. Yeah, like you throw a stone on being in Chicago. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I had about a 35, 40 minute drive. Yeah. But... Looks better. Yeah. <laughs> ah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> it's got its give and takes. But yeah, I moved moved back home. Um my thing I just I didn't know how to deal with what I was going through, man. Is I mm. I I was twenty three, just mm-hmm. went through a bunch of stuff. And I so mm. I went in as a six years. I did a six year contract because I was aviation. Mm. And at year four, they found out I had scoliosis, so I got med boarded. And my plan was to do 20. So already my plan is shattered. Oops, there goes Kev. Already my plan is shattered. And then on top of that, like three months before that, I got divorced. So that got screwed up. And then everything at one time just coming down on me. I moved back home with my parents. Started smoking because I was the new kid out of the the army. I never smoked smoked before then. And um, they weren't too fond of it. They – They've always been kind of against it. It was my fault yeah. for going into their home and thinking they'd be okay with it anyways. Yeah. I, I did it anyways, but then I had to find a new place to live, and it was just – I ended up homeless yeah. for a couple of days just because I had nowhere else to go. I knew yeah. I was going to keep smoking, <laughs> and I just <laughs> I just didn't know what to do, so I had to find a new purpose. And mm. That right there is the hardest part is even realizing, look, you got to find something new to do, man. Yeah. <laughs> like you're done. Don't keep hanging on to the past. You're done. That was yeah. it. You got your DD two fourteen. That's yeah. it, man. Move on to the next. Yeah, 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 I will will say I'm thankful to the army because I kind of lost my purpose like a year before I got out. Like when we stopped deploying and really doing much, I thought it's like, what are we doing this for? It's like we're we're flying to fly for a war that we're not fighting, and then we gotta keep the helicopters up. And it's like, okay, for what? Like this is this is lame, and I'm like that's why I decided to get out because yeah. people deserve better than that from their leadership. And I, I mean, I wasn't. I knew if I didn't have a purpose there, I couldn't be in anymore. Mm. And so, like, I got out, and then it's. I wasn't like seeking my purpose. I was kind of just like, a, it'll it'll find me almost. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying, Trevor? Like, like our, the shit we're doing now. Yeah, I well. You were more, you had more of a religious background. I did it. So, like, you had that faith. I was just, like, lost. <laughs> I completely, oh, I didn't know. I see what you you're know what I'm saying? Like, you knew deep down something's going to happen. We'll be fine. I got home, and I figured nothing was going to happen. I won't be fine. Because so I didn't mm-hmm. have, like, I didn't believe something was above me looking over me, you know, making sure I'm okay. And if you're okay if, with me asking me, uh, JP, do you do yeah. you believe in a higher power? Did you start believing in one all growing up? Like what kind of religious background? Yeah, so I was I was raised in a, in a Catholic household, you know, his, Hispanic and all. <laughs> um, I went to church every Sunday during boot camp. I'll tell you that. Hey, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. 
you know, every service, you know, I was, I was Buddhist at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but when I, when I got out, let me, let me back up a little bit. So yeah, in 2010, I, I was deployed to Afghanistan. Um, and I, I lost, I lost it for a little bit there. A lot of things didn't make sense to me. A lot of people, you know, close to us died. A lot of friends, um, you know, blown up by IEDs and, um, I didn't see where it was going. I I didn't feel like we made a dent in anything because the population there, they wouldn't really interact with us unless they had to. And even then it just, it felt like it was very much forced and not, I mean, look where we're at now. Right. So like, it just felt like, what are we doing here? Like maybe on a specific day, we get into a, a firefight. We do this, we do that. Yeah, sure. But in the grand scheme of things, it just didn't feel much of like, I didn't feel like God was in that kind in, in, in the world, to be honest, at that point. So it took me a while to kind of work my way back to kind of feeling some sort of faith. And I think it's mostly come back in the last probably three, four years to, to, to kind of caveat to what happened when I got out. Like I got out and I didn't take the time to get to know who the hell I was. I was, I was a Marine veteran and I, you know, got out got married, became this cop, and never once did I take a moment to, like, find out who I am besides that, right? So I was resting on the laurels of my past, and I was living in the moment of the adrenaline that I was feeling. And then when all that kind of came crashing down around me, divorce, loss of purpose at work, that's kind of when when God really kind of played a part as far as, like, me trying to find out who I am. And when I found out who I was, I found out that there is more to life than, than just what we're doing here, right? It kind of, I can't really blame you though for getting kind of nihilistic being over in Afghanistan. It's, I know what you mean. It's like you could ask anyone that's been over there for more than a half hour. You can't, you could not fix what was going on there. We could have been there for a hundred years and nothing would have got done. It's just, to me, it's interesting that that caused me to develop faith, but it made you lose it almost. Yeah. It's like, I wonder if that's because like I had none going in. It could be it. It could have been like, you know, the reverse effect as far as like you none and then coming out with something and then me the other way around. That that could have been it. And yeah, how'd you feel then watching when we left? <clears throat> Man. Um so when we left, it was very rough for me for a few reasons. Um a lot of major life stuff happened for me at the same time here, like in the real world now, right? And like uh I lost a lot of sense of purpose in my career field. Um, what I was doing that I got a lot of purpose over in, in, in the department. It went away, got taken away from me. And I lost what was my purpose in life, right? So then I got real kind of depressed about that. And then Afghanistan happened and the drawdown and then the way we left it and like any faith I had in our country and like in us actually doing something for these people out there. It all went away. It was destroyed. And what pisses me off the most is not like it pisses me off that we lost people over there and my friends and, and all that. But it also pisses me off that we we lied to the population and we told them that we would be there for them. And we had interpreters and we had some villagers who helped us. We had kids that would be friendly to us and they would get killed by the Taliban. And we just left them all there to freaking get slaughtered. We didn't care. We didn't we didn't have a plane for them. All the people that did support us when we were there, we just fucking abandoned them. So it was very hard for me. I, I, I started doing therapy again because of that. That was kind of the factor 
that got me into therapy again, which is, is good because I needed it anyway. But that was the one that went like, yeah. Because like the Taliban, they got like a list of people that work with the U.S. Yeah. Like, yeah. From what, what I they heard, know, yeah. right? Like, oh yeah. I mean, they they know, man. Like, they were never gone. They were in the population. They were mixed in. They were just waiting in their time, biding their time. I mean, they knew, man. You know. They knew. And it was like, for, for us, Kevin, at our location in Afghanistan, when I arrived, they were like, yeah, right across that flight line, there's about, <clears throat> that's the Afghan National Guard. There's about 30 people in there with ties to the Taliban. Yeah. Like, wow. So they're just a mile across the road from us. Mm-hmm. And they're that well yeah. connected. And so once we pulled out, I could only imagine what happened. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't there, but I could only imagine. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah, them, they're like, "Oh yeah, the ANA is over there." Yeah, and I already kind of knew that a lot of them were in the Taliban. And I'm like, "Bro, I could like, I can see their little how ha- like airport over oh, there." Oh, dude, I I hopped in the helicopter and they had um, that little helicopter video thing on the bottom of it. So the Chinook, mm-hmm. they had it was like the X-ray oh. video thing. I hopped in there and I had to do something for our hydro hydraulics guy, and I took the little camera and I looked in each one of those buildings there's yeah. Like, oh, yeah there's like guard posts across the street i looked in each one not a single person in there so i don't even know if they were even there it could have just been off, off yeah. of the scam but yeah but yeah that was one of my biggest things is when i came home to my parents <clears throat> and i wanted to i wanted to sit them down because before i joined what happened is i ended up failing out of college i failed one class twice and that was it and it just felt like the world was crumbling. So we went into a room with my parents. We sat down, and this was the first real-life talk we're about to have about my future. So I sat down, talked about it. Like, it really blew my mind because both of them were in tears, and I was just standing there like a little idiot at 18, not knowing what I'm going to do. But my, both <laughs> my parents are in tears right now because I'm failing college. <clears throat> yeah. So finally, I went to the military, and on my way back, I was like, all right, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to get home and I'm going to tell him what my life was like and then what I'm looking to do in the future. So when I got home, I told mm-hmm. him like my my opinion on our wars and they they grew up uh right-winged right-wingers in Chicago, so I was already interesting enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then <clears throat> I came home and I'm like, "Look, what we're doing over there." And I was in tears. I was like, "I couldn't I could not believe what if you really think about what we're doing over there, it is cruel to other human beings." And I was a part of it. <clears throat> it like it didn't click because I'm like, look, we're doing this over there, we're doing this over there, we're doing this over there, and these are just other humans we just simply don't agree on one subject or whatever it is. We don't agree on something, and we're caught. Co- it's enough to cause a war where we are all fighting with our sons and daughters to kill each other, and I. I mean, this was going on. I had no idea what I was doing it for until I got home after my first deployment. I'm like, okay, what am I doing over there? (laughs) You know, I wasn't even going over there with that right purpose. So it was just kind of hard to come home and tell him, look, this is this is wrong. What we're doing, really. And then it got worse. I mean, it even got worse once we pulled out of Afghanistan. It went even more wrong. But it was hard for me to explain that to somebody not in the military. It was just hard for me to come home. Look, this is what is happening. I was out there doing it, being a part of it. Listen to me. And it's just, it's almost still too hard to comprehend. Makes me think like, is it a net negative for society to where most people are ignorant of how bad it is? I think so. I think so. And, and, And a prime example of like why it was doomed from day one 
is that so the ANA, it's not like our national guard. Like they, they don't serve where they live. Right. So like they're, they're getting deployed, you know, from, I don't know, Illinois to Texas, right. They have no ties to, to where they're serving. They are just there. They, they don't care. They're not going to die for their country. They are going to maybe die for their, their province, but they're not in their province. They're, they're somewhere else. And you're fighting, you're fighting a local insurgency different than Iraq because the insurgents were brought there. They were fighting a different type of war. They were fighting a, a real jihad. But in Afghanistan, this is, this is their livelihood. This is what they've been doing for years. This is their community. This is where they live. This is where they prosper. All they have to do is fight and then hide, fight and they hide. And the thing is that they do it so well that they actually are fighting for something because to them, it's real. The ANA doesn't give a damn about where they're fighting at because they have no ties to that area. They just want to get a paycheck and go home. And the fact that we thought that we were going to leave that to them, just in, in my mind, I just I could not believe that that was the plan. Like I just like they have no national sense of pride the way we do. No, no, it's, it's very much like province based and like even then like. You know, like from what I hear now, it's much more divided. Um, just to just to put a little bit of humor on this, I recently read an article on Vice that the Taliban are now uh, showing signs of PTSD and that they missed the war and that they they don't like working office jobs. I, yeah, I thought that. Was crazy. <laughs> thought of, when you're in the Taliban, you're like yeah in the S the paperwork department or something. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like sitting at my desk. I missed the war. I missed the jihad. Like, I, I, I got to take out of that. <laughs> Shit, dude. I remember, I remember walking back from chow. Right. And I'm like thinking, how could like, I'm thinking way back. How could people walk across this land and think, you know, this seems like a good place to, you know, hang out for a little bit. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, shit, that's why they've been at war for fucking ever. Like that's all yeah. there is. That's all there is to do. Yeah. Ain't shit else no, out there yeah, to do but that fight. Yeah, it's like a five mile stretch. You can see the horizon, like in the middle of wherever we were. It was all around yeah. us. You could see like five miles out. Like ain't yeah. nothing there. There's nothing to do. Nothing to go see. Nowhere to yeah. hang out. <laughs> so what else? Yeah, like, do? They have the the religion aspect too. Like I know in like Islam, there's like the Sunni and the Shiite. Mm -hmm. Like they got different aspects of it. But it's like those people probably agree on 99.9% .9 of things. It's yeah. just that one hundredth of a percent that they're all just, well, let's just kill each other over this. Yeah, it's very tribal um, in Afghanistan, like very tribal. There's there's elders, there's leaders. Um, before I, I went, I actually, I they sent me to a, a Pashto, of course. So I, I actually spoke, I wouldn't say conversationally, but I, I did get a chance to like talk to some of the locals a little bit. And that was interesting. Um you know, I I love that I got the chance to do that, but I mean, from tribe to tribe, they don't they don't visit each other, they don't really talk to each other. It's all about like right there, who lives right next to you, your small little like basically like a jaded community, like that's it. Because they're yeah. super isolated, right? Like they're yeah. not like here where you can drive from a town to another town. It's like no. you're on the side of the mountain for markets, like you know, for for the trade, they do have some trade and some markets and stuff like that, but mostly no. Like you'll see that they're gonna stay secluded right there to their little like you know village yeah it's it's like i just was torn about the whole thing it's like yeah on one hand i think this was absolutely like an unwinnable war i think personally i think we could have been there for a hundred years and it wouldn't matter we shouldn't have been there in the first place but just yeah. me like 
But I like I was glad we were leaving. It's just the way we went about it. It was like you couldn't have designed a more like a worse exit if you wanted to. Yeah. And that's, like, yeah, that's what hurts so many. It's like, yeah, we flew in there more careful. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Yeah, man. It, it's a crazy time, too, to be in the military just because it's so easy to access information from people. Yeah. Like, I, if I'm a recruit, right, I can go on Reddit and see what people are actually complaining about. Yeah, it's, like, you're, you're 100% right. I'm experiencing that right now. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. <laughs> So, so like with some of the videos that I, I posted that um, I've received a lot of uh, new followers that are like active duty, uh, like their first year in, I could not even imagine talking to a vet. I didn't know what the hell a veteran was yeah. in my first year. In. Like I could not, I didn't, I didn't know any veterans. I didn't, I didn't have the idea of what a veteran was. And like now you could be in talking to a veteran that's been out freaking 15 years now almost and like ask questions about what is my future going to look like you can prepare yourself or have an idea of what you're going to do but like yeah everything's out there for you to find you can contact anyone like i we barely had hulu when i was in like i mean yeah hulu. <laughs> but no though like because with afghanistan too it wasn't like the government could just say oh yeah it went great like people could see people cahoots. falling from airplanes yeah you know? they were in cahoots about it like they, they had a backdoor deal like it was just it's just it was disgraceful what we did i mean th there's no excuse for that yeah that's like the biggest thing too is it's just getting pushed under the rug like there was an excuse for it or something <laughs> like it's just yeah. like, no one's talked about it since and it's just no, whatever. nobody like nobody. How, how could that be like we were we were there for how long how could this just be swept under the rug after a week you know we still have troops in iraq yeah yeah i just found that out recently yeah. We're in like a third of Syria, I heard too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even. Well, yeah, our buddies over in Iraq have—they're right next to Syria, aren't they? I mean, yeah. they're right there. Yeah, that's what the base is up there for. And yeah. they're taking casualties. Just, yeah, dude, no one talks. No one talks about this. Nobody talks about. It. Yeah, it's like the hidden war kind of that we're still fighting. It's like just because yeah. we removed a large ground element from the AO does not mean that there aren't people there still. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy but, how, yeah, actually thinking about it, we have people taking, like, Americans taking casualties over in Iraq, but the news is all Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, man, they, 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 it's it's no longer, it's not going to get the money that nobody cares about anymore, so why would they talk about it? It's not going to, you know, create a stir for them, so therefore, like, they're going to just move on. They're going to move on to the next hot topic, you know, they're going to talk about something else, and it's just not popular anymore, you know, that unfortunately... Or fortunately, we're so far removed from 9-11, you know, knock on wood, nothing like that ever happens again. But, like, without something like that, I don't think the country would have gone to war. I don't think we would have backed up to what happened. I don't think we would have been willing to just, you know, send our sons and daughters out there, you know, and, and hopefully nothing like that ever happens again. But, like, we're so far removed from that that just no one has any sense of, like, you know, country anymore. We're, we're all divided and living our own little lives. Shit. I would say that... If we had TikTok and Twitter since, say, 1776, we wouldn't have gotten into a war after probably World War II. What was it? Korea, Vietnam, Iraq the first time, the second time in Afghanistan. Like, yeah, you, you, should, you, think, yeah. people, you think people would have bought, though, the WMD thing? 
if we had Twitter right now? I don't think so, man. I don't think so because everybody has a phone, right? Everybody, yeah. everybody posts videos, and and you know, someone would have been like, "There's nothing here." See, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're having recruiting issues right now. It's because people can go on Reddit and talk to soldiers and Marines and find out what the reality is. Yeah, but have you seen some of these recruiters, man? Yeah. No, what do you mean? Dude, trash. Yeah, I haven't talked I'm to sorry, any. I'm sorry, but like my 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 freaking my my recruiter, my staff sergeant, freaking looked like John Cena, man. Yeah, some of these recruiters, man, like the one that now, man, like the the uniforms, just like I don't know, it's still my Marine Corps, or whatever, but like it just ain't <laughs> the same anymore. You can tell. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear that's like the re- toughest spot you can be in the military yeah. is being a recruiter. I was I was I mean, close right now, to yeah. uh, I was close to being a Marine. Yeah, I, they gave me a long hard talk for like. 45 minutes and they really made me think and i was like did they put the uh the honor kurt's commitment like the little pins on front of you in the table that you gotta like choose which one means the most yeah to you? yeah 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 it's like yeah justice ju- yeah that's yeah. how they got well, <laughs> yeah and, that, I, and like, I thought i was gonna get a sword but i never got a sword I <laughs> I was like, that's how they get you man. it was that's cool i was like you. i like how i like what y'all stand for I, like i could tell the marines had a closer brotherhood than the army but i didn't yeah, have the, I didn't have the opportunity to go work on helicopters. Like the army called me and said, "Hey, you could work on helicopters right now if you sign." Nice. So, so I did, but but yeah, yeah, I was I was close to a marine, and in Chicago, it was at my high school. It was almost only the marine guy. I never saw an army guy there. Well, you know why, man? Because like, like you hit you hit the nail on the head. Like we do have a, a tight knit brotherhood. Because like, there's less of us, but you seem to see more of us. Because when we leave, like. We celebrate the birthday every year. We get together every year. It's it's the only time of the year I get drunk. And um honestly, like it's 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 almost a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because as a soldier, when you get out, you're not tied to the military as much, but like, dude, as a Marine, like and I could be wrong here, but like for as a Marine bro, like it's hard to separate yourself from that. Cause like you miss it so much. It was so much of who you were that I mean, it happened to me. Instead of me making friends with civilians who who probably would have been just fine to be friends with, I still gravitated towards Marines, and I kept, like, my little safety net, because that's all I knew. Just boot camp freaking brainwashes you, and, like, the Marine is is the only thing that you, like, know how to talk to, because they're the only people that get you, because we speak different, we are different. Most of us are assholes. We're all very cocky. But, yeah, man, it's just it's a different type of, like, club, I guess. I yeah. I will say, I think in the Army, we have more of a unit loyalty than, yeah. like, say, the Marine Corps when they have, like, a whole branch loyalty. Yeah, they move like, us around I, a lot, too. Like, they don't really keep you in units for much of a long mm. If you get promoted, they typically try and move you around. How many units were you in then? So I was in two different units, um, and even even within that unit, I moved around a lot because they, they, don't, they don't have every MOS in every unit. So, like, when I was uh, initially with 3-1 Lima Company, I was a rifleman, but when I went out and I tried out for State Platoon, which was the snipers, they moved me to weapons company. So technically still 3-1, but typically, like, if you re-enlist, they're going to move you somewhere else. Like, almost guaranteed they'll move you somewhere else. Even when they promote you, they'll move you to a different platoon because they don't want you, like, mingling with your buddies. They want you to separate yourself. So they do that where they, like, want you to still be an asshole to the, the Marines because, you know, they're not your buddies type shit. Mm. Yeah, well, we, yeah, because we had the exact opposite mm. in the 160th. It was like I was in the, the same shop 
from my time when I got there as an E2 to when I left as a staff sergeant. Like, mm. the entire seven years I was in this one place. Yeah. And, like, sometimes I would hear people talk about PCSing or, you know, transferring when they got promoted. And I'm like, I guess that would be nice, right? But on the other hand, I think you can build a lot more loyalty yeah. if it's done correctly. Am I right, Trevor? Yeah, I was I was a big fan of staying. I was lucky enough to only do four years. But, the whole yeah, the whole time I was there, <clears throat> the whole time I was there, it was cool because, yeah, it was like a unit loyalty thing. Like, everybody here knows we're all here, yeah. all staying here. Now that I think about it, I think the Marine Corps does it on purpose like that. <laughs> because when you get a brand-new staff sergeant who doesn't know you, doesn't like you, it's going to be a lot easier for him to yell at you and counsel you and tell you what to do than if you knew him when he was a sergeant. So, like, I think it's a reason they do that. Because, like, I remember so many staff sergeants that we got or gunnies from, like, different platoons, different – from the East Coast that we had no idea who they were. And just like that, they turned it on and they were they were that gunny, you know, hey, come here, Corporal, come here, last Corporal. Like, you're not a person to them. You're just, just a race because right. they don't know you. I think the Marine Corps does it that way for a reason, you know? Yeah, yeah, for us, it was I wish like they first, first name basis for pretty much everyone I talked to. Because, well, yeah, we didn't yell at anyone, really. We, oh, man. Like, some, pe some people did, but, like, I can recall twice that I yelled at someone. Not even I wouldn't even say yell, like raise my voice. Not like yeah. I'm yelling like I'm actually pissed off, but like I'm a little bit pissed off so I'm louder. But that was like a two no. two occasion type thing. I yelled it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But like no, I remember when I got promoted to E five and I was an NCO and it was like the, the dude who was in charge of our shop when I got there, he got got promoted at the same time I did more or less. So he was still kind of my boss. But he would tell me all the time, like, I got to be meaner to people and, like, smoke people more and yell at people. And it's like, that's just not my style. Like, that doesn't work with people. It's not your nowadays. style and it's not the new kid's style. Like, the new oh, no. I heard, I heard it's different now. Oh, no. What do you I mean? What do you mean? I just, I've heard that – I don't have any stories to back this up. I've just heard from, like, a few of the people that, like, are on – like, messaging me on TikTok that they're still in right now. That there's no unit loyalty, that everyone is just out for themselves. There's no, not even like loyalty between like your leadership. Like there's no war or, you know, yeah. that we think there is. Yeah. So like you're not training to go to war where, you know, this guy's life is in your hands and your hands and your life is in his hands. So like from what I've heard, like leadership is terrible. NCOs are not the same way they used to be where they look out for the junior enlisted. From what I heard, it's it's very much like everyone's kind of out on their own right now. I and mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I've heard that from a few people that they, they don't have, like, leadership that looks out for them. I mean, I'd say you're probably correct, at least partially, just because society, I think, as a whole has gotten more like that. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, like individualistic. More, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my biggest thing. So, actually, this is what I wanted to talk about finally. I got it out of my head. Um talking to other people like I, I brought this up on a couple other ones just even talking to another person is hard because i don't know if i'm doing something wrong like just like i feel like i'm going to say something wrong i feel like it, being a veteran in general it's a coin flip on whether they support you or not like i, I don't bring up anything military and i almost just kind of stay quiet and try to yeah. say things that society will think is okay so it's like yeah. hard to be it's hard to be me. And luckily for me, yeah. I got throughout my med board process. I had to, it was like 
six to eight months where they didn't know if I was getting kicked out. I might have been kicked out or med boarded. Like, they just didn't know. So for that six months and then about a six months to a year after, I was lucky enough to move home, get paid off the VA, and go to school to kind of understand who I was and who I'd like to become. So I did have that, that little grace period, but it's still, I mean, it still wasn't easy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like I didn't. I'm not saying like I didn't want people to know that I was a veteran, but like that wasn't who I was. Like that wasn't the central part of my personality. Like I was more. That was just something that I did, right? Like, yeah, that's good. Like I didn't base my my life moving forward off. And they talked about that. And when you get out of the army, like developing your personality aside from the army. But like we were in special operations. That was we were not supposed to be army e out. Like, different yeah, yeah. Out. It's like you know what I'm saying. We still look like the village people going to get dinner. Yeah, because you gotta you gotta build a little more trust with like between the special forces community and like you don't really have that when you're kind of an asshole to everybody. So you you kind of like become a little more humble and a little bit more of a human being, right? I mean, oh, dude, yeah. You don't even yeah. know, like you, even people like us, like we weren't up on the totem pole, so to speak, but we still had to interact with ground force guys or even like. Not even in a business capacity. Just like you're in the same camp, you're going to be in the same gym at the same chow hall. Like yeah. you have to be friendly, and you can't be like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a staff sergeant." Blah blah blah. It's like you don't even know what rank the other guy is most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, you, the chances of this guy being able to beat your ass is a lot higher than you being able. To... Oh, dude, hundred percent, bro. 100%. Like I was in I was in the gym, and I saw a dog working out with this dude. Where, the dude actually, he had a Blackhawks hat on. So I should have said something to him, but I was still too much of a bitch. I'm like, dude, this dude's training a fucking dog in the gym right now. I ain't going to say crazy. a damn word to homie. <laughs> How crazy as hell. Yeah. No, but like, I didn't, I didn't want to be like the vet that like got out and had like the 5'11 jeans on, like the Merrill boots, like, but the whole, it's like a, the veteran starter pack. You see oh, those? Dude, that was me for the first year. Like, that was <laughs> oh, dude, I'm not going to lie. No, I don't I'm mind. He was a starter pack. Can't be mad. No, he can't be mad, dude. Cannot be mad. That's all we know. That's all we know. That's why he's a starter pack. That's all the tools I had. I didn't have anything else to wear. <laughs> what? But but you you outgrew that though. I did, and, and you're right. That that's that's not what we should be. Um, but yeah, man, that 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 was me. I um, I went to I went to I signed up for college, and uh, that's, that's what I wore. I tried not to, but, you know, eventually I did outgrow it, but I, I had the fucking camel backpack like an asshole. And then I think one of the things that really, like, did it for me of, like, I need to quit this shit. Um, I was in one of my college classes, and I was um, middle row, I think, listening to the professor, trying to learn, you know, freaking notebook in hand, taking notes. The little green girl, one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have one right Where's it at? I'll go get mine right, right now too. Yeah, if y'all don't know, in the military they issue these out like candy. So yeah, everyone's got these little green notebooks. And like you don't even need to be taking notes, but if you don't no. bring one to a meeting. Yeah, you you better have one. Yeah. I had one. I never wrote anything down. Hey. Like I, half the time I would use F someone else's. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you, you gotta have that though when you go to anything, man. I gotta read some of this one day. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm in class and this girl falls asleep in the front row. Oh, geez. sleeping like snoring, and I'm looking around like, is no one like there's someone sitting next to her? I'm like, no one's in, and no one says anything. 
they just blow right past it. And this is 2013, so this is 10 years ago. So, like, it was normal yeah. then. Right now, it's probably even worse. People probably, like, rack out in the back of the classroom by now. But in the middle of break, yeah. In the middle of the break, uh, I get up and I, I go up to her. Yeah. And I woke her up. I'm Might like, you hey. show some damn respect, female. Something like that. Listen, I, I'm like, listen, wow. if you're going to fall asleep, stand up. Because that's what was done to me. That's yeah. what I was taught for freaking six years. Like, that's leadership. Looking out for others, making sure people aren't sleeping, making sure the person talking is being respected. And that was in my brain, man. Like, dude, in my brain. And the professor pulls me aside. It's like, hey, were you in the military? I'm like, yes, sir, I was. I thought he was going to say thank you to me. He's like, no. Like, he's like, you got you to gotta stop. Like, what you just did right now, like, that's that's not okay in society. Like, you can't tell people what to do. Like, they're not going to take it the right way. If she's tired, she's tired. She's sleeping, she's sleeping. Is it disrespectful? Yes, it is. But, like, you're not in anymore. And I think that was the moment that I kind of woke up and I realized, like, I'm not in anymore. I'm not surrounded by people that are like me. I'm surrounded by people that are nothing like me. And I'm the outsider. I'm the new one. I'm the yeah. freaking goop. I'm the one that has to adapt. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's like you didn't realize, like, I'm not going to get in trouble if this chick is sleeping. Right. Like, I, I that's what, that might have been yeah. it, like, right there in the back of my head. I mean, like, no, I bro. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, like, you probably, in your heart of hearts, were not more concerned with the professor being disrespected so much as you were, like, <laughs> Fuck, like, you're going to ask chewing, like, hey, staff star, why is this, why is this lady right. sleeping? Yeah. Yeah, like no. we're all about to get smoked right now because this this, yeah. this thing. Else, this, right, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm outside right now, bro. I was very vocal about that, like with with uh, PT especially. Like if I didn't get in trouble for you either not being there or being yeah. bad at PT or being too fat, bro, I don't like I like didn't give a shit. But like I'm not gonna get invested if I'm not gonna get in trouble if something. <laughs> yeah, like like one dude that we're great friends with when he got out the army, it was like. It was like three months where he was showing up at like 11 to noon or one and then leaving after like an hour. And like he was getting out and like shortly after that. And like I I saw it happen a few times and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Whatever. Like I mind my business. And then yeah. like after a week, I'm like, OK, no one gives a shit about this. Like, why am I going to make a big stink? Like yeah. if I was going to get in trouble, I already would have. <laughs> yeah. And it was so easy. Was, oh, yeah. Dude, why would I care? Yeah. But. But, like, you hadn't developed that yet, it sounds nope. like. No, man. I did not. I did not. Just, like, what, sorry about the baby in the background. Um, <laughs> so, like, what happened with me is, um, so, like, when, when when most Marines, when they're getting out, like, they're called, you know, terminals. Like, they're getting out. They they barely show up to formation. Their sleeves are rolled down to here. You know, there, there's no more kind of, like, you know, a spirited core, we call it, right? But, like, with me, I was um, – I was a chief scout for my scout sniper platoon. So like my Lieutenant leaned on me heavily, which then I loved, I didn't mind it. I, I still had a purpose, right? So I had to like develop training. I had to get guys ready for sniper school. I didn't have that chance of like chilling out and not showing up and stuff. And I, now I wish I would have, but like back then it gave me purpose up until like the day I left and then it was all like stripped away from me. So like that didn't really do me any good. Right. But like, yeah. I wish I would have had that time to, like, you know, kind of ease back into, like, the chill mode. Yeah, they squeezed you, know? you out, man. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, everything. Realized, you know? The fucked yeah. up part, too, is no one told you, like, when you leave here, they're going to forget about you so Dude, fast. I was so offended, man. Um, A guy got out, uh, like, two weeks before I did, and they gave him a pink belly. 
you know, that's what we do. And I didn't yeah. get one, and I was so angry. Oh uh, no! <laughs> they, they forgot about me. They, they moved on. I saw I saw pictures of the platoon doing cool sniper shit, and like you know, I'm not there anymore. Like they've moved on. I got to move on too. No, yeah, you got to be a special type of guy to where like they remember you after you leave. Yeah. Yeah. No, like yeah. special as in like died for a reason or something like that type of special. That yeah, you had to make special. like an impact or like be known yeah. for something. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, yeah, no one's no one remembers you. No one's gonna call you. I mean, you got your your homeboys, but yeah. yeah I mean, you know what's crazy is um, I my first my first platoon for the first uh, three years, it was a uh, infantry platoon, and I went to combat with them. My my second kind of time in there, the, the last three years, I was with the Strauss Sniper Platoon. We didn't go to combat together. We went on a mew. We didn't we didn't experience combat. We deployed to like different places for training and stuff. But they were the last ones that I knew, right? So you would think they'd be the ones that I kept in touch with. But no, man, I don't I don't talk to any of them. I talked to the guys that I went to combat with. The, the guys that like really got damaged, man. Because like from that platoon, that that group of people, like you know, three of my. Three of that people, three of the guys in the platoon have taken have taken their lives. Uh, but oh. from the sniper platoon, um, you know, n nothing, man. Like, no, no, we don't keep in touch. Everyone seems to be doing their own thing. But like, I have a group chat on on Snapchat with the guys that I went to Afghanistan with, who I've been even farther removed from, and the guys that I was with last. So I I think that really like solidifies a bond with you know who you serve with and it depends yeah. what you do with them yeah i i, I really only talked to two two or three people that were in the same job as me and then everyone else that i talked to that's still in i spent time overseas with them or yeah. on a trip with them or whatever it is it's yeah i mean i, I talked to the rest of the hangar more than i talked to my old job really yeah yeah, I still try to talk to people. I've been trying to do that more recently, like hit up people I haven't talked to in a while. And especially like the veterans that also got out around the similar time as me, like even the ones that were not the best soldiers. Yeah. Like I still want to like hear them do good in life. And yeah. breathing and breathing. Like I'm sorry you had breathing, to go through that, bro. but that's that's like the biggest thing for me is I don't know when I'm gonna get a call the next day. Good. Did that happen to you guys where, where, where like you get a phone call from one of them and you like you just you know you're gonna pick up but you're you're, you're like breath stops for me you stop breathing for a second because you see the name and you're like i, I don't know I, it's happened to me three times where like i see a phone call and it's one of my buddies that i haven't talked to in two years who i would deploy to afghanistan with and like i'm scared to answer the phone because it's happened already where like hey so and so you know took his life so like now now the platoon that I I I'm I was with, we've made a better effort of actually talking to each other more. We have a group chat on Snapchat that we keep in touch with. But dude, for a while, man, I, I like I was scared to talk to them because I I didn't want to look at my phone and see one of their phone numbers, and then me thinking like another one of the guys, you know, yeah. took their life. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we've not had to deal with that, thank God. But yeah. we uh. At least personally, like I think it's it's one of those issues where we can affect a lot of change just at our level. Yeah. Like we can call people like that that like one thing I hate is this twenty two push ups a day thing. That drives me up a wall. Like the yeah. people that do it have good intentions, but you're not yeah. saving anyone's life doing push ups. Yeah, no, no. it's 
Yeah, luckily I've never been in that situation, but I've been on the flip side where I've had to give the call. I'm like, look, man, mm-hmm. like, I got this. Yeah. To, to, like, I'm not in the right spot. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where my feet go. <laughs> like, I, I literally don't even know what to do with my life right now. And no, I mean, my little brother was the one that answered. Luckily, someone answered. But even that was enough for me to to realize, like, look, there's no way I'm the only one alone with this. And I don't want to put that burden, the the burden of seeing my name on someone's phone and thinking, oh, no, there goes Trevor. Like, I don't want that burden to be placed on anybody because of my name. So that's that's honestly that's what flipped my mind about is like i I need to stand for something and if there's anything i'm going to stand for i don't know a greater cause than this because i mean like you said we're just getting thrown out into the life again hopefully we know how to deal with the real world after they've trained us on how to deal with it like it's just you you don't know what to do you don't know where to go from 18 to whenever you got out like i was 19 when i joined from 19 to 23 i was always told what to do where to be what uniform to be in yeah, I was told what to do, yeah. and you finally yeah. get, and and you're always like itching, like finally I get to get out and do whatever I want, <laughs> and not, yeah. you get out and you're like, you don't know what fuck. you want to do. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, fuck, what do I want? And the paycheck stop, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I will say though, our I think our generation too of like younger vets has a lot of, um, like we have a lot of educating we can help people with. Just as newer veterans realizing, like, because when I before I joined, I thought of the veteran, right? I'm thinking like a Vietnam guy yeah. at the VFW, Man. like he's like, all, not all messed up, you know, but like that war fucked people up. Mm-hmm. But I think now we can kind of show people like this is what veterans are, and they're not like all psycho assholes. Yeah, we're not all gonna be homeless. We can hold down jobs and like. Especially with PTSD, that's a big one I'm passionate about. Like, because there's so many misconceptions about it. Oh my! It's like we can really help educate people and say, you know, this isn't something that is. It's affecting most of us, but it's not. We're not having flashbacks in the Walmart, or waking right. up in the middle of the night screaming. It could just be forgetting things. Yeah, it really, it really can be. And and like, something else I want to talk about is um. There's, there's veterans that don't even realize they have PTSD because maybe they feel like they don't deserve it or rate it because maybe yep. maybe, they, maybe they went to combat or maybe they didn't. But, like, you got to understand, like, it is traumatic to, like, go through what you go through in the military no matter what. Like, I mean, in the Marine Corps, like, when you get promoted, you get the shit beat out of you. Like, where else in the world does that happen? Like, not that's not army. normal. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You guys are normal. We're the fucked up ones. But, like, you go through so many things, man. And, like, you don't realize that it's traumatic. You don't realize that it changed you. And then you get out. And to, to touch a little bit about the whole, like, coming back into society and that we were never part of it, like, normal 18 to 23-year-olds, you name it, like, they go through stuff, but they have ways of dealing with it. There's resources. Their parents are still there. They have other students that are going through it who can talk to them because it's not stigmatized of getting help. But for us... You can't talk about your problems. You can't go and bitch about this. You can't complain about that. You better figure it out on your own. And, and if you fuck up, if you buy that freaking Cadillac with yeah. 23% interest off base, you're not going to get talked to like nicely. Like, listen, man, you messed up. Let's, let's figure this out. No, you're going to get freaking counseled and spoken to like a child. So like now it's in your head. Like I can't tell people when I fuck up. So like now, instead mm-hmm. of having this coping mechanism of like being willing to ask for help when you get out of the military, you feel like you got to fit around your own. 
And that's not the way it is in the real world. In the real world, like there's counselors in colleges that you can like literally go to and ask them, how do I do this? I want to switch my classes. I don't know how to do this. And they will help you with everything. But like as veterans, man, like we don't, we don't look for those resources. We don't know they're there. And we don't want to find them because we feel like we have to figure it out on our own. So like you come into the society that has been functioning perfectly without you and you just don't have the tools or the resources or even the mindset to try and change the way you think to even like not to survive in society but to thrive in society and unfortunately some veterans never get past that and that's that's my biggest thing like for a while I rested on the laurels of my past and it took a lot of mindset work and a lot of bad things happening in my life freaking divorce loss of family friends committing suicide you know binge drinking, gained 50 pounds, overweight, just hating my life and like realizing like this has all happened because of the military. And I know it's like very dangerous to make that connection, but I didn't get help for a lot of things, PTSD, because of the military, because it was stigmatized, because I didn't want to get help because you know what? I got to be a tough son of a bitch. I married the first girl out of, you know, the military because finally somebody loved me, right? I drank my ass off because in the military, when you drink, you got that buddy next to you that supports you and he's going to carry you out on the base. Yeah. But like now all these vices that were like, maybe a problem when you were in, now you have no control over it. There's no one there that's going to get you to morning formation. There's no staff sergeant that's going to look out for you when you, you know, get a DUI or whatever. Now you're on your own. So like all these problems, in my opinion, they happen because when we get out, we don't assimilate into society. And I know assimilation is like not even not the right word, but we don't find the way to kind of integrate into society the right way. So we develop all these problems. And then one day when you're freaking 26 years old, it just blows up in your face. And then you're like, fuck, I, I need therapy. I need help. I need to deal with this. And some veterans don't deal with this. Some veterans decide like I'm out. Some veterans decide that they just, they can't do it. And, and that's the sad part, really, because at the end of the day, like, there's programs out there, there's resources, but on top of all of it, there's people like you guys, like veterans that are willing to talk about these things, veterans that are willing to, like, actually have these conversations. And, and I'm sorry, I'm getting a little passionate, but, like, it bothers me because, like, I don't necessarily only think about my buddies that took their lives. I think about their kids, man, because I have, I have a son now, you know? And I, I could not imagine him growing up without a father because I made a decision because of something in my past, right? So, like, now there's kids that are going to grow up without a dad because of something that they did as, as, as a veteran instead of getting the help because it's been stigmatized for so freaking long. I don't know, man. I just I, – I, things got to change, man. And that, yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. That's what you guys are trying to do, and I really appreciate you guys doing this. And, and I'm sorry I, I went on my rant no, a little bit. No, man. I, I completely understood, like, everything you said there. And I even yeah. had a problem with it today. I broke down in tears today because I ran into a situation where I didn't know the answer. And I didn't know mm. where to find the answer. I didn't know who to call for the answer. I didn't know what resource to start with. And I literally mm. – like, I, I'm tearing up now thinking about it. Like, I just – I don't know. And if I don't yeah. know the answer, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to find it from. I, I just mm -hmm. don't know. And yeah. the, that's that's what got me to the point where I wanted, wanted to off myself because I didn't know. I didn't know who to go to to find out. And finally, Kevin brought in religion into my life. So finally, when I don't know some, something, I'm just like, it, you know what? It It's fine. I know I'm still here. I know everything's going to be okay. I know for the past 
25 years of my life, I've been a good person in general. I know nothing bad could happen that big to where I have to freak out just because I don't know. But right. it's because I've I've been told like you have to know this. Show up here, you know this. Show up here, you know this. Show up here, yeah. you know when this. When you don't know what happens, right? When you don't know, you yep, you face I mean, you face your pay. You lose your pay if you don't know sometimes. Yeah, man, like you you, you got to know everything. You you got to be they teach you like you have to be resourceful. You have to know everything. Like dude, like it's just it's not realistic and they 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 breed what they need. Yeah. For the military, right? But then the moment that like you're you're done, they wash their hands of you. There's no, there's no real transition, like period, like dude, like literally overnight, like I'm, I was gone, like, you know, like just yeah. literally overnight, dude, I was, I was off base. You know, my buddies kept doing their shit. They were out in the field doing their thing, but like, dude, what am I doing now? You know? Yeah, you just got no idea. It just, it's, it's tough, and like you said, it's just a community. We, we don't know where to go afterwards. We have nowhere to go. We don't know who to talk to. And for me, my biggest thing is because in the military, I struggle drinking so much. If I show up to a VFW, I'm leaving with a DUI. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole nother like. I, I I don't have issues with the VFW because I know they're trying and I know that that's kind of what they're built around. But like that, that you're you're right. Like, unfortunately, like alcohol is a huge trigger for a lot of veterans. And like, I mean, that is as, as a way of like they don't have a limit. And that's what they use to kind of like you know, drown out their pains. And I mean, th there's other stuff out there too, right? Nothing just a VFW. Like I know that they're trying, but that is what it's built around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's into most of us drink to get drunk. It's not like, right. Trying yeah, to get a yeah. Little yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not trying to be too social about it. I will, I will say though, it, it really highlights the importance of being the person that others would want to reach out to. I'd say, yeah, like, say I might not want need or need to reach out in that minute, but if someone had to and they didn't want to call me because like I'm a dick or whatever, like I would feel like such a failure for them. Yeah. Like I think we we could do a little bit better of a job of like being nice to people and not judgmental and being the person that someone would want to call yes and open up to like that. Yes. That's that resonated for me a lot, man. Cause yeah. I, I was I was an asshole for years. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Like in the Marine Corps, like that was my role in the platoon. I was the fucking pit bull of the platoon. Like it's where I fit in because that's I, I grew up in Chicago and like you know it's yeah. it's just like it's where I fit in. And dude, I got my purpose out of that. I felt I felt accomplished. And little by little, man, I started I started shedding some of that shit away, and I kept some of it because it, it did help me with the police department and, and what I did there. Um, but dude, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be salty anymore. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to like, you know, develop freaking heart problems because I'm always stressed out about stuff. Like I, I want to give love into the world and, and like actually bring positive into this world. Cause like, it's already hard as it is, man. And like, if we don't become that, like beacon of light for like a veteran to like reach out, like, so, so I, I, that video that you saw, one of the videos that you saw, um, one of my buddies who I hadn't talked to in like 10 years actually like typed a message in there and I, I like reached out to him. I didn't recognize him. He's like, Hey, you know, uh, Perez, how you doing? And I'm, as soon as he called me Perez, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm like North up. He's like, yeah, man. Um, and we, we've been talking, man. And like, um, not to put his business out there, but like, you know, he, he needed someone to talk to and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
but you know he was willing to talk about it because you know i i made myself a little bit vulnerable and put myself out there and like by you guys doing this and by talking about it it, it helps a lot man because it, it destigmatizes a lot of things that people like don't want to talk about or they feel like they can't or they don't even know where to talk to you know so like it, it's it's definitely helping yeah the bit i appreciate that first off for um, sure for sure <clears throat> But yeah, the biggest thing is just bottling it up. Like it, uh, I I still have problems. Just day to day, I bottle it up. I don't don't know why. I still do it. And girlfriend today said, "Look, man, you gotta stop doing this to me because it's just like every three weeks I get blown up with all this information because you just you can't talk talk about it on a day to day basis." So I'm still getting better. This, this podcast doesn't make me perfect, but it's still like gradually being able to talk about just how I messed up because I went a different path than most go. So, and being able to explain that to someone who hasn't gone down that path has got to be one of the hardest things in the world. Like yeah, man. Being able to say, look, this is why I am. And then I, I have like self doubt. Like, is that really why that's who I am? Like, is this really the issue or am I just making up an excuse? Because in the military, you make up an excuse to get out of work or whatever it is. You yeah. better be ready to do more push-ups. Yeah. So, so I, you ignore it and you suppress it Yeah. because you don't want to identify it. Yeah. But yeah, man, there, there's life after the service. You you are not who you were. So that resonates with me, man. Like when I, when I started, I started doing therapy when I, like in 2015 for a couple of years, um, ended up stopping and then like like i mentioned i started back in therapy because I, I know what it does and like whether you're against or for it at the end of the day it gives you a medium to like talk yep and if you can put it in words and you can make sense of it you are in you are on the right direction of like trying to like deal with it yeah i agree that's like the the biggest thing for me in in therapy and that's why we do this too is because I mean, there's been oh, yeah. a number of people saying, "Look, this is like a therapy thing," and oh, that's exactly. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> I mean, that's why I love doing it, man. I'm able to get it off my chest too. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and there's even today, tough day, doing a lot of stupid stuff. It, this still isn't something I'd like to cancel. I'll cancel everything else before I would cancel one of our podcast episodes, just because I know that's. I mean, shoot, yesterday I canceled one of my therapy things. I had to take Kevin to the airport, so I, I just had to cancel it. And I get a replacement with this today just just because <laughs> I'm lucky enough to have created something. But <clears throat> Ooh, where was that? Yeah, the – oh, shit, my bad. Go ahead. You were saying how cool I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Now, one last thing I wanted to ask you, though, is um, yeah. to the vets that are getting out soon or have recently got out, it's like one one thing you wish you had learned or known before you. One piece of advice maybe you could give the person getting out sooner recently just got. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, if I if I had to like really think back to when I got out and think now about the vets that are getting out now, if I could give them a piece of advice, it would be that they have to find um, a new purpose in life, a new mission. Um, a new reason to get out of bed, whether it's volunteering somewhere, going to college, joining a club, playing a sport, becoming a, a member of a team in some fashion, way or another. Like you have to become part of something else. And it doesn't have to be something that's permanent in life. It just keeps you being a part of something where you don't lose your purpose right away. So eventually, yeah, you can transition and 
spread your wings out a little bit more. But going from having like a a group of like best friends that like you can pick up your phone and call them and like to being on your own, like that was the biggest mind fuck for me of like being on my own and like all that I was surrounded by was college students who didn't understand me, my parents who I couldn't explain things to, very very similar to like what you said. And then like, you know, my girlfriend at the time who like, I ended up blaming for like me getting out. So like, I felt completely lost. The moment that I found that group of like veterans that kind of took me under their wing and helped me navigate life. That right there saved my life, man, because I don't know where I would have been if it wasn't for them. And I mean, I, I'm, I, st- I stood up at one of their weddings. I'm, I'm best friends with them. We, we have a group chat. We still talk. So if I had to give like one piece of advice, I would say that when you get out, don't seclude yourself. Don't feel like you are an alien to this world. Become part of something. And it doesn't have to be a veteran organization, but you've got to find a reason to get up out of bed, to be a part of something, to be a contributing member to society. That's the most important part, in my opinion. Find something that you can actually give back to the world that that will help you feel purpose again because we lose it when we get out. Right on. Yeah, that's right well on. put, man. No, Thank you. Real, though. I was just thinking, too, real quick. Yeah, like, also be patient with yourself. Like, you get now, you got to make new rules for yourself. Yeah. A lot of trial and error, and it's not going to happen overnight. Thankfully, with the military, we're used to, you know, everything taking six months. So, like, don't <laughs> expect perfection. Just be patient with the process and yeah. uh, be there for other people, I'd say. It's the biggest yeah. That's why we started this, man. We wanted to start creating a community. And even if it's just every one person we get on the episode, <laughs> like, that's fine. That's a big enough community okay. for me. You know, it's finding finding more people that you're able to just talk openly to. And if it's yeah. like this, like, for me, it's easiest for me coming on this show not knowing who you are, honestly. That's the easiest way of doing it. I don't know yeah. who you are. You don't know who I am. We come on here and look at all this common ground we found. Just yeah, no, I love it. Of, I love the way you, know, you did. Yeah, like it's just, I don't know, finding finding someone to talk to, man. Because this one thing Kevin taught me while in the military is you are not the first one to go through this, man. You are mm, not like the first that. one. Like whatever you're going through, you're not the first dude that's had to go through it. You're not the first I'm gonna steal that one, Kevin. <laughs> no, <laughs> go for it. No, like when he's getting divorced, like, you ain't the first dude in the army to get divorced. Yeah, yeah. Divorced. Like, like, like people, people have survived worse. Yeah. yeah. That's true, man. I like that. Yeah, so it just it made me feel not alone, man. I wasn't alone. I knew someone did it before me, so there's got to be a com- community out there of the people mm-hmm. that I had it done to them or something. So just yeah. really try to, like you said, find a new purpose. And that, like, it took me six months to find out that I had to find a new purpose. Yeah, like <laughs> I had no idea I even it's had to do it. I'm talking about, dude. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, be patient. But I guess, uh, yeah, I'm running low on time over here, man. We got to get you back on again, man, because this was unreal. I this love was, you, man. Yeah, no I, love you. I, I had a great time. You guys are freaking awesome, man. Yeah, time time flew, man. I had no idea. That was this was. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, this, what the fuck? Dude? This was yeah. great, man. I I appreciate yeah. this. This was a big old, good old fashioned gripe session. Dude, thank you guys <laughs> so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Um, you guys are freaking awesome, man. You guys are building something beautiful here, and I, I'm I'm very lucky to have been a part of it tonight. So I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, There's thank you. Thank you. And everyone else, we're going to leave a link down below to his TikTok. We'll leave a link actually to our Discord. And hopefully we could start getting a community, a bigger, better community for uh, us veterans out here. Because 
it's hurting every day. We're hurting. So <laughs> uh, if we could, if y'all could show us your support. Yeah. Hurting as a team in the community. But yeah, that's, that's all we got for this episode. Hopefully see you guys next time. We appreciate you watching and thank you again, JP, for coming on and sharing your story, man. Thank you guys. Appreciate you.